Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, so in the last episode, I mentioned toward the end a letter that I was going to read here, and this comes from Substack, and it's Common Sense with Barry Weiss, and it's titled, You Have to Read This Letter. A New York father pulls his daughter out of barely with a message to the whole school. Is the dam starting to break? And again, the importance of, just very briefly before I read this, the importance of sending an outgoing letter to employees, administrators, parents, what have you, when you're making a move, either pulling yourself as an employee out of a school building or pulling your child out of a, out of a school system because of, again, their nefarious practices, is an important move to make. And it really is a move that everybody should make so that the people in the area know exactly what's going on. But here's how it, uh, here's how it starts, and then it gets down to the actual letter. So here we go. Quote, I was planning to publish a roundup today of the many thoughtful responses to Paul Rossi's essay. I'm going to save that post for Sunday because I was just sent this letter that has my jaw on the floor. It was written by a barely parent named Andrew Gutman. If you don't know about Barely, it's a private all-girls school in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It costs $54,000 a year, and prospective families apparently have to take an anti-racism pledge to be considered for admission. In the course of my reporting for this piece, I spoke to a few Barely parents. Gutman chose to pull his daughter, who has been in the school since kindergarten, and sent and sent this missive to all 600 or so families in the school earlier this week. Among the lines, quote, If Barely's admission was truly considered about so-called equity, it would be discussing the cessation of, of admissions preferences for legacies, siblings, and those families with especially deep pockets. If the, admission, if the, if the administration was genuinely serious about diversity, it would not insist on the indoctrination of its students and their families to a single mindset most reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Unquote. I'm passing the whole thing below. Meantime, I'm going to ask Andrew Gutman to join Paul Rossi and me for our subscriber-only conversation this coming Tuesday night. I'll hope he'll join. I hope he'll join. Details about that event will be in Sunday's post. I promise this newsletter... I promise, this newsletter won't be exclusive about education, but my gosh, it is a wild right story to follow right now. See you Sunday. Okay, so here's how the letter reads, and it's lengthy, so bear with me, but clearly it's, it's good. In fact, I'm just going to say this too, destroying critical race theory and cutting it down is arguably the easiest thing to do, and I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, because it's made up. It's pretend, and because it's pretend, throwing it back in the people's faces who are actually uh, claiming that it's important or that it's an actual thing is arguably the easiest thing to do. So again, good for this parent for writing it, but any parent can write a letter like this because again, it's just, I don't know, it's not that tough. Okay, so this is titled April 13th, 2021. Dear fellow Barely Parents, quote, 
Our family recently made the decision not to re-enroll our daughter at Barely for the 2021-22 school year. She has been at Barely for seven years, beginning in kindergarten. In short, we no longer believe that Barely's administration and board of trustees have any of our children's best interests at heart. Moreover, we no longer have confidence that our daughter will receive the quality of education necessary to further her development into a critically into a critically thinking, responsible, enlightened, and civic-minded adult. I write to you as a fellow parent to share our reasons for leaving the Barely community, but also to urge you to act before the damage to the school, to its community, and to your own child's education is irreparable. It cannot be stated strongly enough that Barely's obsession with race must stop. It should be abundantly clear to any thinking parent that Barely has completely lost its way. The administration and the Board of Trustees have displayed a cowardly and appalling lack of leadership by appeasing to an anti-intellectual, illiberal mob and then allowing the school to be captured by that same mob. What follows are my own personal views on Barely's anti-racism initiatives, but these are just a handful of the criticisms that I know other parents have expressed. I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudge others by theirs. By viewing every element of education, every aspect of history, and every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. I, I object to the charge of systemic racism in this country and at our school. Systemic racism, properly understood, is segregated schools and separate lunch counters. It is the interning of Japanese and the exterminating of Jews. Systemic racism is unequivocally not a small number of isolated incidents over a period of decades. Ask any girl of any race if they have ever experienced insults from friends, have ever left, have ever felt slighted by teachers, or have ever suffered the occasional injustice from a school at which they have spent up to 13 years of their life, and you are bound to hear grievances, some petty, some not. We have not had systemic racism against blacks in this country since the civil rights reforms of the 1960s, a period of more than 50 years. To state otherwise is a flat-out misrepresentation of our country's history and adds no understanding to any of today's societal issues. If anything, long-standing and widespread policies such as affirmative action point in precisely the opposite direction. I object to the definition of systemic racism apparently supported by Barely, that any educational, professional, or societal outcome where blacks are underrepresented is prima facie evidence of the aforementioned systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported beliefs such as these are the polar opposite of the intellectual and scientific truth for which Barely claims to stand. 
Furthermore, I call bullshit on Barely's off-stated assertion that the school welcomes and encourages the truly difficult and uncomfortable conversations regarding race and the roots of racial discrepancies. I object to the idea that blacks are unable to succeed in this country without aid from government or from whites. Barely, by adopting critical race theory, is advocating the abhorrent viewpoints that blacks should forever be regarded as helpless victims and are incapable of success regardless of their skills, talents, or hard work. What Barely is teaching our children is precisely the true and correct definition of racism. I object to mandatory anti-racism training for parents, especially when presented by the rent-seeking charlatans of Pollyanna. These sessions in both their content and delivery are so sophomoric and simplistic, so unsophisticated and inane, that I would be embarrassed if they were taught to barely kindergartners. They're an insult to parents and unbecoming of any educational institution, let alone one of Barely's caliber. I object to Barely's vicious, inappropriate, and fanatical use of words such as equity, diversity, and inclusiveness. If Barely's administration was truly concerned about so-called equity, it would be discussing the cessation of admissions preferences for legacies, siblings, and those families with especially deep pockets. If the administration was generally serious about diversity, it would not insist on the indoctrination of its students and their families to a single mindset most reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Instead, the school would foster an environment of intellectual openness and freedom of thought. And if Barely really cared about inclusiveness, the school would return to the concepts encapsulated in the motto, One Barely, instead of teaching the extraordinarily diverse idea that there are only and always two groups in this country, victims and oppressors. I object to Barely's advocacy for groups and movements such as Black Lives Matter, a Marxist, anti-family, hetero, heterophobic, and anti-Asian and anti-Semitic organization that neither speaks for the majority of the black community in this country nor in any way, shape, or form represents their best interests. I object to, as we have been told time and time again over the past year, that the school's first priority is the safety of our children. For goodness sake, Barely is a school, not a hospital. The number one priority of the school has always been and always will be education. Barely, Barely's misguided priorities exemplify both the safety culture and cover-your-ass culture that together have proved so toxic for our society and have so damaged the mental health and resiliency of two generations of children and counting. I object to the gutting of the history, civics, and classical literature curriculums. I object to the censorship of books that have been taught for generations because they contain dated language, potentially offensive to the thin-skinned and hypersensitive something that has already happened in my daughter's fourth grade class. I object to the lowering of standards for the admission of students and for the hiring of teachers. I object to the erosion of rigor in classwork and the escalation of grade inflation. Any parent with eyes open can foresee these inevitabilities should anti-racism initiatives be allowed to persist. We have today in our country from both political parties and at all levels of government the most unwise and unvirtuous leaders in our nation's history. 
Schools like Barrowley are supposed to be the training grounds for those leaders. Our nations will not survive a generation of leadership even more poorly educated than we have now, nor will we survive a generation of students taught to hate its own country and despise its history. Lastly, I object with as strong a sentiment as possible that Barely has begun to teach what to think instead of how to think. I object that the school is now fostering an environment where our daughters and our daughters' teachers are afraid to speak their minds in class for fear of consequences. I object that Barely is trying to usurp the role of parents in teaching morality and bullying parents to adopt that false morality at home. I object that Barely is fostering a divisive community where families of different races, which until recently were part of the same community, are now segregated into two. These are the reasons why we can no longer send our daughter to Barely. Over the past several months, I have personally spoken to many Barely parents as well as parents of children at peer institutions. It is abundantly clear that the majority of parents believe that Barely's anti-racism policy are mis- policies are misguided, divisive, counterproductive, and cancerous. Many believe, as I do, that these policies will ultimately destroy what was, until recently, a wonderful educational institution. But as I'm sure will come as no surprise to you, given the insidious cancel culture that has late permeated our society. Most parents are too fearful to speak up. But speak up you must. There is a strength in numbers, and I assure you the numbers are there. Contact the administration and the board of trustees and demand an end to the destructive anti-intellectual clap anti-intellectual claptrap known as anti-racism. And if changes are not forthcoming, then demand new leadership. For the sake of our community, our city, our country, and most of all, our children, silence is no longer an option. Respectfully, Andrew Gutman. Unquote. Okay. That's an excellent letter to say the least. He's not new, though. That Those kinds of letters aren't new. I'm glad that it was put out there. I'm glad that it was written. It's essentially a template. Anybody can take that template, pop in their own school's name, um, put in a few other descriptives of what's going on within their child's school regarding the behavior of the superintendent, the school boards, the administrators, the teachers, etc., etc., and then send it out to all the parents, as many parents as you can. Send it out to all of the teachers. Send it out to uh, you know, the school board and the administration. It's an excellent it's an excellent letter and it's an excellent template to say the least but it's already been replicated uh, there have already been countless letters like it regardless of the of the kind of school and it's something that you know that's just not new again I'm glad that he wrote it I'm glad that he's standing up for his child because that's the role of the parent um, but I would re- I would just recommend that again more and more parents do such a thing and that if you're leaving a particular district, again, either as an employee or you're pulling your, your child out of that district, that you write such a letter in order to make everybody aware of what's actually going on. I will also include the link to that direct letter in the description of this podcast episode so that you can download it yourself, cut and paste it, toss it into a Word document, and again, use it if you're interested. Now, you may have heard a name in there that I mentioned 
uh, an individual by the name of Paul Rossi. So Paul Rossi is a math teacher who was pulled from his classes at Grace Church School after criticizing the school's anti-racism policies. And he has audio that he has released. And this comes from the Daily Mail. And it's titled, We're Demonizing White People for Being Born, quote-unquote. Leaked audio captures headmaster of elite NYC school agreeing with teacher who was banned from classroom for speaking out about white-shaming students. And it says this in the bullet points, and then I'll play that audio here in a second. It says, Math teacher Paul Rossi, who was pulled from his classes at Grace Church School after criticizing the school's anti-racism policies, released audio Tuesday. Headmaster George Davidson acknowledges that white kids are being demonized in a taped telephone conversation. Math teacher Paul Rossi claimed Grace Church School was indoctrinating pupils. He said he could not stay silent witnessing the harmful impact of the lessons. He has now been relieved of his teaching duties, quote-unquote. The school confirmed Monday. Shortly after revising the video, Rossi, releasing the video, rather, uh, Rossi told DailyMail.com that several people at the school have offered him words of support, but he doesn't blame them for not speaking out. People have a duty to the truth, and they also have a duty to their families, and everyone must weigh those priorities for themselves. All right, so I'm going to play this audio, but that right there, I mean, that conundrum is is a big, big issue. When you're faced with a dilemma, or it's a dilemma in some people's eyes, but not all, what, what do you do? I mean, you're left with two options. You can stick your head in the sand, turn the other cheek, and act like nothing bad is happening, or you can confront it head on, knowing full well that you'll probably lose your job, uh, you may have to move, uh, a number of other things. This is something that I've dealt with, and for me, it was absolutely, there, there was no choice. There was no choice. I came to the conclusion very quickly in my own career many years ago. Do I, do I continue to let sexual grooming take place? Do I continue to let the abuse of children take place? Of course not. Of course not. I made, I made the decision in less than 24 hours. Uh, more and more students kept coming to me in my particular situation for, for help. I let their parents know. I let the administrators know. And then the administrators turned against me. In the case of Paul Ross, I hear it's no different. He did the right thing, and then they came after him. So people need to understand that this kind of thing happens all of the time. It happens every single day in K-12 schools all across the United States and all across the world where you're faced with a decision to make. Again, do you do the right thing or do you act like bad things aren't happening? But you have to stand up for students and you have to stand up for their safety and you have to stand up for their well-rounded education and you have to stand against this kind of indoctrination that is seeking to divide people, it's seeking to hurt people, and it's seeking to create a more violent environment. And you cannot learn in a violent environment. So here is his leaked audio. Here we go. Let me ask you something, George, because I think those are I think there's something very different about having a single experience where you make sense of it. Right. And having a teacher, an authority figure talk to you endlessly every year telling you that because you have whiteness, 
You are associated with evils, all these different evils. These are moral evils. It's not the same as taking like a physical thing because it doesn't affect your 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 moral value. That's the problem. The 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 fact is that I'm agreeing with you that there has been a demonization that we need to get our hands around in the way in which people are doing this understanding. Okay, so you agree that you we're demonizing kids? We're demonizing um, kid. We're, we're demonizing white people for being born. And, and are some of our and students I, white people? What are some of our students white people? Yes. Okay, so we're demonizing white. We're demonizing white kids. Why don't you just say we it? Are, I, we are using language that makes them feel less than um, for nothing that they are personally responsible for. You, you can you you can have and, and I'm happy to keep debating and I don't actually have any doubt because I've known you for nine years of your sincerity in your belief and I also um, have grave doubts about some of the doctrinaire stuff that gets spouted at us in the name of anti-racism like what and and, and so. I don't disagree entirely with some of your points of view. Can you elaborate? Because it would help me. It would help me understand like what's going on. I think that one of the things that's going on a little too much, and, and we've talked about this, is that um, the demonization of being white um, and, and the attempt to link anybody who's white to the perpetuation of white supremacy. Thank you. Thank you, George. So there is no question that there is an entire strain in here that um, caused them misinterpretation. Now, I am someone... Wait, 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 wait a minute. But what about impact over intent? Don't no, those no, kids I, get the I, benefit of impact over intent? Our, our attempt is going to be to get everybody centered again. All right. Um, I will tell you, I, I mean, that's a huge task because I will tell you that we are, if you, if you try to do that, um, they're, they're already like the barn doors open and they're all in the barn. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're fighting a revolution that you, you don't even know they're fighting and well, grace, I mean, they're going to hollow out grace and they're going to move on to the next institution. That's what's going to happen. Like, I, I think that they've hollowed out a bunch of other ones ahead of us. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're just you're just a little stone in the path. This beautiful, wonderful institution that's educated so many children over so over almost a century is over is, a century. So regarding the headmaster of the school, you can hear his trepidation in his voice. I mean, he he's he's treading too lightly. And this right here is the problem. That's not a leader. That's not how a leader talks. A leader is direct, gets right to the point, and then moves forward with the right thing and the right move. You see, there was a time in that school's history, as it is in countless schools' history, where such nonsense didn't even exist. Such indoctrination, such brainwashing didn't exist. Now, there's always been brainwashing with falsifying information and uh, you know, teachers not really knowing the truth and believing every word in a textbook and, and textbooks lying to students. And, every you know, most people who 
our free thinkers and investigate know that that's the facts, know that the, you know that that's the truth. But um, the trepidation in his voice gives away again that he's treading far too lightly. He, as the headmaster of the school, he could squash this in a heartbeat. The presence of all of this race baiting division uh, nonsense, the critical race theory, this hating white people, that all of it, he could squash it in an absolute heartbeat. He could snap his fingers and it's gone. But he doesn't. He doesn't because he doesn't want to rock the boat of the people who believe things that aren't real, who are there working there and and pushing forth um, this this false ideology. It's very dangerous. And this is why the best educators are the ones that are quitting. The best ones are leaving the business. And then you're left with mediocrity. And mediocrity is the easiest to manipulate. Mediocre teachers are the easiest to manipulate. So there's that. Okay, here's the last thing. And I wanted to mention this too, because this is super cool and super important. Uh, Vanessa Hurst contacted me again through email to give me an update as to what happened in their most recent board meeting, which was on Tuesday. And here's what she said. And I'm just going to read this email and again, just riff on it a little bit because it's absolutely fantastic. And this right here proves if you just do a little bit of legwork, you'll be surprised how many people will rally around you in the right direction. Because again, their school district is dealing with a very similar thing, except they're taking it to the next level as far as reorganizing their entire school and the entire system and the way that it works, and essentially making it sort of this communistic work camp. And that's not an exaggeration. Uh, She says this, quote, Sean, I have some uh, parent friends asking if I know of any homeschooling programs or courses I'd recommend. I can't remember the name of the one you recommended. Would you refresh my memory? The the online school that I've brought up here on a regular basis, thanks to other listeners of the podcast who I've talked with and and have been guests on the podcast, they themselves put their first grade daughter through uh, calverteducation.com. So the website is calverteducation.com slash academy. I highly recommend it. Again, having taken a look at the course list, at face value, it looks absolutely fantastic. It's not one of those programs that takes all day. It's not that kind of a program. It's actual learning the way that it's supposed to be done. So that's my recommendation. Again, for anybody out there who's interested in online homeschooling, check out calverteducation.com slash academy. Uh, She continues here with the email, quote, The meeting Tuesday night was pretty intense. Almost 100 parents attended, and 10 or so spoke, myself included. When I spoke, I asked your question about outside influence feeding these ideas and how much money they stand to make implementing these programs. Now, I'm going to stop here. What's interesting, of course, and and anybody who's listened to this podcast knows this, that when you speak at a board meeting, it's not a QA. and a usually. You can ask them questions, but then the school board just sort of sits there and, you know, they'll... uh, They'll just look ignorant. They may comment on particular things later on, but usually speaking in school board, me- uh, school board meetings, there's no real Q&A. But here's what she says, quote, The superintendent looked away. So did, one board- so did one board member. One of the board members is, I think, on our side, she argued against the merger quite a bit. However, I'm not entirely convinced by any of these people. They didn't use any kind of mic amp system, so it was very hard to hear and harder to hear my recording. She recorded it, apparently. I'll take another listen and see if I can at least transcribe some of it. 
They're supposed to host community discussions at each school. Our school's meeting is on the 29th of this month. I'll get back with you afterward about coming back for an update. I did have someone tell me at the that the state is trying to make the board close one of the high schools because of low enrollment. And apparently the conversation has been going on for a year now. Parent outrage is through the roof. My phone has been blowing up with calls and texts wondering what to do. Outsider support for the schools is high as well. Two mayors and the city council members are working together to fight this, and they are campaigning hard. Losing those middle schools will destroy these small-town economies. They plan on attending the individual school meetings over the next two weeks and the board meeting on May 18th. Finally, I did something I thought I'd never do. I called my old publisher at the newspaper. She's a former, uh, Vanessa's a former reporter, newspaper reporter. It's worth noting, and a, apparently a very, very good one, clearly. Um, she continues, quote, They are in the neighboring LaRue County. But they cover New Haven news because the town is basically wrapped around part of their county coverage area. I had a very long chat with her, and she agreed to give me a little more comprehensive coverage than we've been getting. She's conservative and even talked about the socialism happening in her daughter's own school. So we'll see what happens there. She has some political connections I'm hoping to get a foot in the door with. One step at a time. Thanks again, Vanessa. This is it. This right here is it. This is working. And this school district is back on their heels. I mean, again, wrap your mind around it just briefly here for a moment. You have an entire school district that is being run by a Marxist. There are school board members on the school board who agree with this Marxist. And that's usually all it takes. If you have the majority of a school board and they agree with the superintendent because they're responsible for hiring the superintendent and they're all in agreement, that's going to, I mean, that right there is the fate of your entire district. Are they going to succeed or are they going to fail? They usually, when they fail, they, they fail because of their own implementation of things that have nothing to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic. As the previous recording and previous story um, and the previous two stories just exemplified. The same is true here. Only this is, again, for us a more local, uh, regional, tri-state area issue. But it's an issue that's going on in, in countless school districts all over America. But this is the answer. When you speak up and you speak out, people start to do the same, and they start to find the courage to do it when maybe in the past they, they maybe didn't have it. Vanessa has now people rallying around her, and they're interested in finding out more information about what's going on, speaking out about it more frequently, organizing with one another to go against these people, and rightfully so. I think that the hammer that's going to drop, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but there's a level of pressure now on this school district that was never there before. That level of pressure doesn't get easier over time. It gets heavier, and that's a good thing. So the superintendent has to go. That's, that's, that, that has to happen. The school board members have to go, and all it takes are knowledgeable parents. You don't have to know a ton about education. All you have to do is care. All you have to know is the difference between right and wrong, and then you can run against these people and run them out. 
and you use their own platform that they've been implementing, this Marxist communistic program, against them in any form or flyer or YouTube video that you put out, whatever it is. That's how you market that kind of information. You use their own failing policies against them and how they are destroying your town or city and your students as a result of their own failed policies. And then they will be gone. And then you fire the superintendent once you have the majority of the school board. And then that superintendent, do not give them a job as an administrator or a teacher in that district. You kick them out. And then here's one last move. And this is an important one too. That superintendent is going to want references. They're going to want to know from the, the new school board members, the, 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 the patriots, the, the freedom-loving patriots who would become the new school board members. They're going to want to hear from them about who that superintendent is and what they did when they try to contact a reference or they call them to say, hey, you know, what's the deal with this person? Why did they leave? Blah, blah, blah. You have to tell them the truth. You have to tell them they're a full-blown Marxist. You have to tell them that you don't recommend any school district hire that person, and you destroy them. That's how that works. These people have to be destroyed professionally because they, I might add, do the same thing to innocent, freedom-loving teachers and administrators. There are great administrators out there. There are great teachers out there. You heard on that audio clip earlier from one of them. That's one of them. But that right there shows that you have to use their tactics against them. It's the only way that school districts will improve and move toward more freedom, more independence, and less division, violence, and indoctrination. Again, one last time, I'm going to include in the description below a link to the Barry Weiss Substack article, which has that entire letter, uh, which I highly recommend that you use as a template if you're interested. So that's it for this week. Catch you Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.